Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Welcome back. This is Sean Bigley and Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com. And we're talking this segment about the ever-present question that I used to get in law practice, Lindy, and that is, somebody has it out for me, will this tank my clearance prospects? And I have to tell you, you know, I spent 10 years representing clearance holders and applicants, and this was a question that I could set my clock to. Every week, I would get a question from somebody along these lines, and it always involved a scenario, sometimes a my friend, quote unquote, scenario. And it was limitless, the the facts that, that went along with those. And, and everybody wanted to kind of tell their their story and say, hey, you know, I've got this neighbor who has an ax to grind, or I've got, you know, a coworker who has it out for me, or a boss, or my personal favorite, an ex who's crazy and is going to, you know, tank my clearance prospects. And some of these things were entertaining. Some of them were a little wild uh, in a scary way. They all, though, had kind of the unifying theme that more often than not, these were things that I think were really unnecessary worries. The reason I say that, and this is something we'll, we'll dive into a little bit more, I'm sure, in a minute, but the reality is most clearance denials and revocations are not based on somebody having it out for you. They're based on things that are more black and white and, you know, easily provable. There's a paper trail. As you well know, you know, you didn't pay your taxes for X number of years, or you've, you're up to your eyeballs in delinquent debt, or you have a, you know, history of DUIs or, you know, something like that. And it was really uncommon in my experience to get these cases where, you know, somebody would, you know, have kind of a, of a, he said, she said, or, you know, he said, he said, or whatever the case may be where, you know, that was enough to tank the clearance prospects. Now, that's not to say that it never happened. More often than not, these things were taken with a grain of salt. So I'm curious to get your perspective on this. I know you you get a lot of wild questions on clearance jobs and, you know, from people who I'm sure have similar concerns. What comes to mind there? Are you trying to say that security clearance applicants are paranoid? I mean, we get those. I mean, the, the funny thing is we talk about this process and Sean and I are always going to give you some of the examples of like the extreme side of the equation, right? Because if folks are anxious or concerned about the process, those are the folks who end up reaching out to legal counsel or to a you know security clearance career site or emailing or, or posting something on a message board. And we do get a lot of those. And I think that's why folks... It's because people don't really understand what the process looks at, right? They're thinking about that one time they did something crazy or that one person who they have to list on the form maybe because they're an employer. The employment one comes up often for us. People are so afraid to say that they have been fired, which I'm like, if we've all been there, you know, not everybody has to like you. Goodness gracious, you do not have to be likable to keep a security clearance. Don't I know it? Like there's just so many people that it's just not about your likability. It's not a popularity contest. So I think understanding two things are really key for applicants in this. And the first one is it is a whole person concept, which literally means a single individual or incident or issue can't tank you. They want to look at the totality of who you are. So if they have that one reference 
in my experience, you can correct me here if, if you've seen otherwise, if an investigator hears something negative from a reference, they're going to fact check that. Like, does that back up with something somebody else said? Or like you said, a paper trail of, yeah, you've had a pattern of getting laid off from employers or time card fraud or lying on your taxes. Oh, you have an issue telling the truth. They're looking for those cross references. So that's the first piece of it. And the second piece of it is I think people get really scared about if their background investigator will like them. I mean, some people do. Some people need to care more. And your background investigator could not care less, in my experience. Like, sometimes I wish they cared more, but they just, they have a list of questions. They're there to answer those. They are looking for a baseline of information. And then they don't have to make any value judgments on you because they send it to an adjudicator. So you don't need to try to impress your investigator or the more you try to talk around an issue, because I've seen the applicants do that, right? Like they're afraid somebody's going to say something. So I'm sure for, as an attorney, this makes you super nervous. So they overshare way more information than they need to because they're trying to get ahead of this other person who, again, nobody cares about you as much as you think they do. This other person may or may not even have anything to say, but I find people oversharing information to get ahead of something negative they think somebody is going to say. And that person is not going to get asked about that by an investigator. It's probably not going to share it. And you're worried about something that you don't need to be. You raised a lot of interesting points. First of all, you know, many years ago, as you know, I was a background investigator prior to becoming an attorney. And you're talking triggered something in my mind. And that was, I remember distinctly on a number of occasions, somebody saying to me on the conclusion of the interview, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, there's this really crazy person, so-and-so. And like, I don't know what their deal is. If you happen to talk to them, like there's a screw loose upstairs and, you know, just, just pay them no mind, you know, almost like the wizard of Oz, like ignore the man behind the curtain. It was like, well, okay, I wouldn't have thought about this or I wouldn't have given it, you know, but now that you're putting it out there and now that you're drawing attention to it, now I'm curious, what are they going to say? And so let's go find them and go talk to them. Yes. To your point, nine times out of 10 people who have an ax to grind, they obviously have an ax to grind and that's, you know, it's going to be taken with a grain of salt. It's not, you know, it's not going to be enough in a vacuum to tank a clearance if a background investigator goes and interviews somebody and they just spout off about, you know, this person being the devil and, you know, the worst person on the planet and there's nothing to back it up and no other references that are corroborating it, no paper trail. It's going to be written off most often. I will tell you where this most often came up for me was the case of the vindictive ex-spouse. Boy, I mean, I just used to get an earful from people about the crazy things, quote unquote, that the ex-spouse used to do in the context of their marriage. And, you know, oh, did you know that on the weekends they're secretly snorting, you know, cocaine? And did you know that they have this and they do that? And I mean, it was just, you'd sit there most of the time and be like, okay, is there any proof? Is there anything, anyone else that you can direct me to who would corroborate this? No, but you don't believe me? (laughs) Well, it's not that I don't believe you, but I mean, I need some evidence. It's that kind of stuff. And so if that's all that it is, it's not usually going to be enough. Now, the other extreme of that or the other kind of element there, as you say, you know, people trying to impress their background investigators. And I used to get that too, where people would list, you know, uh, some celebrity, you know, B-lister that they tangentially knew as a reference, you know, to try to impress the investigator. And it was like, okay, this person doesn't really even know who you are. This is not helping you, you know, or they would list the boss's boss's boss as their job reference who doesn't even know this person, couldn't pick them out of a lineup. You're not helping yourself here. Those were obviously the the kind of silly ones, but there were 
occasionally cases that I would see in law practice and as an investigator that did actually create some problems for people or, or at least generate some additional investigation. And those were inevitably where you had a former spouse or romantic interest alleging you know, some kind of domestic violence, somebody alleging you know, that there was some really, really serious concern that if true would have been you know absolutely disqualifying then it becomes okay let's run this down a little bit more let's see is there any sort of other corroborating evidence that might not directly prove it but might help kind of build a circumstantial case that yes this person does beat their spouse or this person is you know working with some group that may be concerning some you know white nationalist group or something like that and so those were the ones that they, they weren't common but Every once in a while, you'd see something like that and it was like, all right, well, maybe this warrants some additional digging. Did it ultimately, without more, result in a denial or revocation? Generally, no. I think my sort of public service announcement, I guess, to, to the worried applicants out there, which, as you say, there are plenty of them and we, we see lots of them on clearance jobs, if it is a one-off and if there is somebody out there that you're concerned about giving investigators an earful, more often than not, the best thing to do is to just let the investigation take its course. Don't try to preempt things. Don't try to steer the investigation because while these things in a vacuum aren't a concern, what does become a concern is if it creates the impression that you as the applicant are trying to hide something. And then maybe the underlying allegations that are being made against you wouldn't otherwise normally get off the ground, but we have this added circumstantial evidence of the applicant looking like they're trying to actively cover it up. And now it starts to look a little more dicey. I guess, you know, that's probably the best thing that I could say, but any parting thoughts that you would add on that? No, I mean, I think you said it perfectly there. I mean, you're dealing with a background investigator who is looking at the circumstances of the case and a single individual or incident should not make you nervous. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.